we are now almost on the eve of the first anniversary of the war in Ukraine. You know what? When the war started a year ago, many of us, in fact, a lot of the world believed that this will be a short-lived war. Putin definitely believed it will be a short-lived war. In fact, he, that's why he called it a special military operation. And the expectation was it will be over in three days. This expectation was so strong that even I said so. In a national interest piece, in fact, just a couple of days after the war began, I had said that by the time you read this, you are reading this, chances are that Kiev would have already fallen or will be about to fall. It's a year now. Kiev is still there. Not the first time I've been proven wrong, but this is among the more important ones in recent years where I've gone so wrong. And all I can say is that I wasn't the only one. Not only all of Russia and Putin believed it, but a lot of the other, other analysts across the world also believed this. Because nobody expected Zelensky and Ukrainians to fight back like this. Everybody expected that Zelensky would leave and seek asylum someplace because we all had our responses conditioned by what we had seen in Kabul when the Taliban came in because in Ghani and others, the Kabul leadership all ran away. They all fled without fighting, without firing a single shot at the Taliban as they came into Kabul. So the expectation was something similar will happen in, in Kiev. Exactly the opposite happened. And now, not only is a war going on, but in fact, if anything, Russian forces are sitting way behind the lines that they had reached in the first flush of their advance, right? Within the first week, they had reached quite far. In fact, they were on the outskirts of Kiev. Now they've been pushed back quite deep inside what is the Donetsk region, which they consider their own and which the Russians have at least under their own constitution, annexed in their own country. Now, the first anniversary of a war, at a time where you don't expect wars to last very long. In fact, again, this has also become counterintuitive because many of us have been saying, even I've been saying for a long time, that we are now in, the, in an era, as Prime Minister Modi said, this is not the era of war, right? So in a different way, many of us have been saying this is not the era in which long wars can take place. Maybe short, sharp skirmishes can take place or protracted but limited battles of wars can take place like say Kargil, right? But not a proper long-lasting industrial scale war. That is what's happening in, in Ukraine. So that is, that is the one big change. Now, First anniversary of the war is also a time when, when antagonists on both sides are both licking their wounds, but also flexing their muscles. So on the Ukrainian side, we have seen Joe Biden make this complete surprise of a visit to Kiev, right? And now there are stories being written, if you see American media, international media on how, how strong the secrecy was over that visit. He pre pretended to be someplace, maybe vacationing, but landed up here, etc., etc. And also Giorgia Meloni, the new Italian leader, she also came in. That was, that was a way of the West expressing its solidarity with Ukraine. But what took the headlines and what will take the headlines by the time you are watching this episode of Karta Clutter is what Putin did. So Putin also chose this day to deliver his State of the Nation address. Now, if you listen to that address, good thing is it was being simultaneously translated. Uh, it was more than an hour and a half long. He repeated a lot of what he has said in the past, but he also bared some new trends. 
new strains and new intentions as he spoke much of his attack was on the west ukraine was like basic basic basically a vassal of the west he called the ukrainians neo nazis terrorists etc etc at the same time he kept on saying we have no enmity with the people of ukraine that's a bit that's again a bit contradictory because if you look at the pictures of all these missiles generally raining over raining over residential areas randomly not as if anybody is trying to aim them at a specific target then then this would not this would not pass the test of facts but that is the that is the that is the assertion he's making that i have no enmity with the people of ukraine in fact people of ukraine if anything are slaves are enslaved by neo nazis who are working for western powers who do not want russia to even exist in fact he's gone on to say that they want to put an end to russia once and for all exact words from the interpreter of course in english so the west he said wants to put an end to russia once and for all now biden biden on the other hand biden's visit to kiev was to show western solidarity because there was also an impression and that is something that the russians have believed that if this pressure continues winter will come gas supplies will be under strain europe will start crying and the western unity will break so while putin has delivered his state of the nation address biden has written a tweet he's also spoken but a tweet and please see this tweet on your screens and i will read from it he says putin thought ukraine was weak and the west divided he thought he could outlast us he was just plain wrong one year later here we stand together united with the people of ukraine right now let's come back to what putin has been saying because putin is the man who started this war he is also the man the only man at this point who can end this war i mean so theoretically even zelensky can end it but he will have to flee ukraine and then stand in disgrace before the whole world seems unlikely right now and also it doesn't hold so many of the cards putin still holds holds the cards that matter when it comes to taking a decision on whether to prolong the war what shape the war should take or to end the war and to end the war on what note because he would like to end the war claiming victory if so what is it that he will define as victory so if you listen to his speech you might find a few strands here and there and i will that's why i'm reading out the reading out the highlights to you so he says first of all that look ukrainian neo nazis are unleashing nazis and terrorists on russia in fact he's gone on to say that zelensky's neo nazis the or zelensky's neo nazi regime in ukraine has unleashed nazis terrorists and the devil himself on russia there is a lot of mention of devil god church etc etc as we go ahead we'll talk about that and he also goes on to warn that the longer the range of the weapons that the west gives to ukraine the farther we will have to go to counter them or to strike back and then he uses the n word that is he invokes nuclear weapons more than once in his speech and what are these long range weapons he particularly makes a reference to new tanks that the european countries and americans are sending to ukraine and also that ukrainians are now asking for fighter planes there is also stories that i see in western media that italy may be willing to transfer some fighter planes 
to Ukraine. So I can see that the Putin now understands the eventuality of some fighter planes beginning to come into Ukraine if the war goes on and it's likely that the war will go on right now although the Chinese are making one more mediation effort. So he says, he says, look, why did we go into this war? We didn't start this war. He said that after, after Crimea, because there was a lot of unrest in the Donbass area, because a lot of the people are Russian, I am now interpreting it. They want to be part of Russia. There was fighting going on. They had declared independence. And Ukrainians had been firing at them with artillery and also bombing them from the air. They were the ones who were doing all this fighting. And we kept on telling them to stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. They were not listening to us. After that, while they continued on fighting in Donbass and and inflicting a great deal of damage of its people who are friendly to Russia. Many of them are Russian speaking and they didn't listen to us. At the same time, they began preparing to bring NATO close to our borders. It was in that situation that we had to do something. Also, we knew that their real target was Crimea, he says. And because the target was Crimea, ultimately the prize they would be after is Sebastopol, the port on Black Sea. We were not going to accept that at all. That's why, because they were carrying on, carrying on with these provocations, they were carrying on inflicting violence on these people in Donbass, Russian-speaking people in Donbass, they were bringing NATO next to our borders that we decided to fight back. So he says, we did not start the war. We are actually using our troops and our armies to prevent a larger war. Basically, basically, the point he's making is that this is a war for Russia's self-defense. This, this is not a war any longer for conquering Ukraine. This is a war for Russia's self-defense. Although later on in his speech, he even questions the very basis of Ukraine as a state. I will make a mention in just a couple of minutes. So he says the West and the Ukrainians, they violated, absolutely violated the UN resolution. His exact words, absolutely violated the UN resolutions. They launched the war. We are using troops to counter the war and then I explained to you that how he gave his rationale that through Donbass they want to be Crimea and through Crimea Sevastopol which would be unacceptable and then his attack shifts on the West and he says Western countries have given 150 billion dollars 150 billion dollars equivalent in war stores warlike stores ammunition arms etc etc to Ukraine to fight this war and this West how much do they give to so many poor countries in the world? He says a total of no more than 60 billion. So that's an appeal to the rest of the world, particularly the global south, that look, you are so poor and you are mainly poor. He goes on to make the point that they are poor mainly because the West keeps start lighting up wars in their areas. He, the West breaks up those nations, leaves people in misery and comes back. And there again, he gives you his statistics. He says, I saw some data and this is data from the Western sources and Western publications, not my data, not, Russia, not Russian data, that since 2001, in the wars that the Americans have started, Americans and the West or the West by implication, the Americans uh, have started have left 900,000 people dead. That's almost a million people dead. 900,000 people dead, 9 lakh people dead, and many tens of millions rendered homeless. So they are the ones who've carried out this destruction all over the place. And they are the ones who in Ukraine also, again, Putin's exact words, they are the ones who let the genie out of the water. Then he says, 
the west sees this the west sees this world as an opportunity to steal trillions and trillions trillions and trillions while they are suppressing freedom of speech in their own countries and i thought he will give some juicy examples like some action maybe on fox news or something but it doesn't go there at least that is not not what the interpreter told us but he said the western countries are suppressing freedom of speech in their own countries and they are lecturing the rest of us and then he says the idea that the west wanted to undermine russia goes back to the 19th century so he said that you can trace it back to the 19th century to the days of the austro-hungarian uh, empire and poland what they were doing what all these forces western forces were doing in that area they took away ukraine he says they took away ukraine from our country that is russia so this is where he is once again questioning the very raison d'etre or very very justification for the existence of ukraine as a sovereign country because his idea is that 19 that till the 19th century this was very much a part of russia this was russian territory these guys through their machinations took it away from us and this became a country what kind of a country it is he has said this in the past also in fact in the past in one of his early speeches he had blamed lenin for allowing these republics to come up under the ussr his idea of the russian empire goes goes backwards from lenin he goes back to the tsarist times then to pursue his point of ukrainians being neo nazis he looks at the names of some of their regiments he says one of the regiments in fact from this is part of the mountain corps in ukrainian army is called edelweiss regiment that is the same name that hitler has used for one of his nazi regiments who had carried out carried out the worst atrocities on on the jews and committed the worst human rights violations and he says if the if the if if the ukrainians are naming their regiments like that you know where they are coming from and they found similar names he says for many of their neo nazi regiments and then he goes on to say we are not at war with the people of ukraine they are slaves to kiev regime and western powers the responsibility of this war lies entirely on the western elites he says for them ukraine is a tool a launch pad a test bed the longer they keep arming ukraine the longer we will keep fighting so once again he's shifting the onus from ukraine to the west and even in ukraine from the people of ukraine to the quote unquote neo nazi regime in ukraine and then he asks what do the western powers want they want nothing short of a strategic defeat of russia he says that's an impossibility that's not going to happen we are not going to lose this war that's a very strong assertion that he makes so if you see the reactions of his audience as he's speaking particularly when he says the west wants nothing less nothing short of a total strategic defeat of russia and russia russians are never going to accept it this is an impossibility you can see his audience nodding also applauding particularly you see enthusiasm how genuine it is i am not the one to say i am no russia expert but you see particularly uniform forces in his audience which is mainly senior officers in his armed forces also showing much enthusiasm for this and he says he says this war is not about ukraine now this is about our very existence about the very existence of our country because the west is attacking our culture and the russian orthodox church right and the way of life that the russian orthodox church prescribes i told you that he invokes the church god 
morality, etc. several times in his speech, Christianity several times in his speech. And he says, look, what is happening to their own society, the West's own society? They have same-sex weddings. Pedophilia has now been normalized. They have immorality of all kinds, right? Family has been redefined. He says, you, you can read the scriptures or holy books from any religion, for any religion. They will tell you that family is a union between a male and a female. The family is a union between a man and a woman. At the same time now, see what Anglican Church is doing, he says. They are looking at the idea of a genderless God, a God who is neither, neither male nor female. Although I'd like to know what gender uh, Putin thinks God is, I presume he'll think God is male. And then he quotes from Jesus Christ, God forgive them because they don't know what they are doing. He says, pedophilia becomes a norm. Priests approve same-sex marriages. He's referring to America and Europe. It is our duty to protect our people from this depravity. He says, those who choose the path of treason in my country, traitorship is what uh, the translator said. Those who choose the path of traitorship in, I, in our country, those who support terrorist attacks backed by the Kiev regime, he, said, he gives out a very stern warning to them. And then he says, our people are multinational. What that means is multinational is the word from the interpreter. What that means is diverse. Our multinational people have adopted a principled position and they are making a true show of patriotism. And he again shifts the attack to the Americans. What do the Americans want in Russia? They want to treat us like they treated Yugoslavia and Iraq. They want to break us up. They simply cannot accept the existence of existence of Russia. And we are the ones who are never going to be defeated. And he says it's easy to understand that the West is training neo-Nazis in Ukraine. He says it's the West that enabled and allowed the Nazis to take over Germany. He says, can we ever expect NATO next to our borders? Nothing of the sort will happen. If anything, we are now going to consolidate what we have at Donbass, the entire Donbass region. We will start a re reconstruction. We will restore the ports along the Sea of Azov, etc., etc. So basically, he's saying that this will remain part of my country. Now, I may be, I may be guilty of over-interpreting. Over but maybe he's also telling you what he considers victory. That if he's just allowed to hang on to what he has, NATO makes a commitment not to come to Ukraine. And, and Ukraine drops its claims over Crimea and Sevastopol. He might declare victory and go away. Unlikely that the Ukrainians will accept it and unlikely, even more unlikely that the West would allow the Ukrainians to accept it. But maybe he's giving you his maximalist position as of now. Remember, it had started with a three-day special military operation at the end of which or maybe, maybe it won't even take three, three days, this neo-Nazi administration or regime in Kiev would be replaced by a friendlier government. That hasn't happened, so he's gotten off that hobby horse. Four times in his speech, he mentioned the N-word. And N-word was mostly like, look, we have to get all our forces modernized. Our forces have done very well, but a lot of modernization is needed. We have to modernize all our forces, Army, Navy, Air Force, but also our nuclear forces, right? And when he says that the longer the range of the weapons they have, the farther we will need to strike. There is a lot of references directly and indirectly to nuclear weapons. The interesting takeaway on the nuclear issue from Putin also was that he said that Russia is now pulling out of the new START 
talks with America. START, as we all know, is Strategic Arms Reduction Treaty. So he signaled that he's not pulling out of this and maybe next time we'll say he's pulling out of more such arrangements. So that is really upping the ante on the nuclear issue. The interesting thing is Alexei Navalny, his main dissident and his main opponent who he has jailed for a long time and who apparently, apparently his intelligence tried to poison through his underwear before that and he got very sick and was evacuated to Germany and he came back. He put out a series of these 15 tweets. I will share a link with you, but these will also run on my screen because this is Navalny. This is the number one Russian dissident putting out his own agenda. And, his, in, and, and in his tweets, generally, Navalny says that, look, he has lost this war militarily. In all of Russia, there are no volunteers to fight this war. He's, he's fighting this war through conscripts. This is not a people's war. And then he says he's just fighting this war for his legacy. He wants to be remembered as the conquering czar or the collector of lands. And he says Russia is losing this militarily. Why does Russia need more land? Look at Russia. Russia has a fast declining population. Russia's villages are emptying out. It has dying villages. It doesn't need more land. It's Russia is a very vast and humongous country already. Why does Russia need more land and why does it need from Ukraine and how can Russia say that these are not Ukraine's borders that Russia will accept because Russia accepted these borders in 1991 and the whole world accepts Ukraine's borders as defined in 1991. So Russia should accept coming back behind those border lines and also pay Ukraine reparations. Now, obviously that's not going to happen, but the fact is that if it's Chief dissident can put out these tweets from jail. He's obviously not tweeting these himself. His people are doing it on his, on his behalf. It tells you that some level of politics is still alive in Russia. So now before I let you go, in yesterday's episode, that is episode 1177 of Karta Clutter on George Soros, I made a bad boo-boo. I said even a broken clock shows the correct time once in a day. Actually, it shows the correct time twice in a day and so many of you caught me now I can't give you the names of all so first of all there is Rahul Singh he tweets the name with I Rahul Singh is often my critic more often than not he's my critic and when he points out something wrong his criticism is sharp and at the same time civilized so when he points out an error that I have made I must acknowledge it immediately with gratitude thank you very much Rahul there are many others I may not be able to give you a definitive list and that's the reason I say please send us your names something something whereby we can say who you are right now I just have emails right now I will acknowledge Imon Ghosh 912, Arjun PS 6776, Ganpati Hegde 1024, Jaswinder Singh, H. Narula 4379, Amarjeet 1970, user KT2PU1054D, uh, Literary Musings 886, Sifi 32, Sandeep Mishra 1651, Purnindu 11, Maidas 2980, Vijay Kumar, Ringanathan 9857. So thank you all for pointing this out. And I am sorry, as they like to say these days, my bad, although that is not an expression I use ever in my conversations. But I did get this one wrong. Thank you very much for catching me. It's also flattering that you listen to Kartak letter so carefully.